to the Woodside Student Ministry Podcast. This week, we'll be continuing in our Vineyard Initiative series. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org slash students. Jesus, thanks for today. Thanks for this awesome weather, this great and glorious morning. 56 degrees this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Bring it on. I'm ready for the fall. Um, I'm thinking turtlenecks, but I probably won't wear one. Jesus, I pray that you would use this sermon. We just right now, just uh, collectively, just we're willing. I don't care if we're just 1% willing, but we're willing. We want to hear from you today. Would you speak through me? Would you own this message? Would you use your word in this sermon to impact hearts and minds? I pray that you would just help us understand by the end of our session here how much you love us how um, desperate you are to keep us safe and to keep us in a safe place and use us to do just incredible things. Um, that's our heart. That's our desire. Speak to us now. We, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you guys, if you're familiar with student ministry, this place, you know we're in week two of our Vineyard Initiative teaching series. It's a mouthful. And it's like an eight-week series that's talking about like these seven or eight verbs of discipleship, these um, opportunities to take your faith, whether it's this small or this big, and put it into action. God's not calling us to just be sideline Christians. He wants us in the game, making a difference. Um, that can be in a variety of ways, but he wants you to take the gift of faith that he's given you, that you receive when you pray for Jesus to come in your heart, take your faith and do something with it. Be, be a world changer, be an impactor, be a force for good. Use your powers for good. And we take this vocabulary of discipleship from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Super short, simple scripture, but it's beautiful. It's talking about how to properly care and tend for a vineyard so that it would produce fruit. And we, in this verse, are the vineyard that are supposed to produce fruit. Isaiah 5 says this, My beloved, whose God, had a vineyard, who's you and me, on a rich and fertile hill, which is this place, which is life, which is everything you need for prosperity in the spiritual life is here. My beloved God had a vineyard me and you on a rich and fertile hill. He protected the land. So in order to be part of the vineyard, in order to have a relationship with God, you need to receive, you need to have some faith, you need to invite Jesus, come. I believe you are who you say you are. I need you, I want you, I'm desperate for you. I don't even know what that means, but I'm willing. You make that ask, you receive, and then the first thing you do after you receive this invaluable gift is you protect it. You plant a... You get a vineyard, you get your crop, your, your plot of land, you got to put a fence up. you got to protect it from vermints and varmints and whatever that word is. I heard it yesterday and it just came out. I can't help it. Varmint? I don't know what that is. All right. But the main thing, we've been given something that we need to receive. You need to ask for it. Thank you. I'll take that. And then the first step is you protect it. And we see this theme of receiving and protecting, receiving and protecting all throughout Scripture Beginning, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read all of it. Buckle up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, was void, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Super cool imagery. Verse 3. And then God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then 
he separated the light from the darkness. He separated them. He established a boundary. Light, you're over here. Darkness, you're over here. He separated light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. He separated light from dark, thus establishing time. Verse 6. And then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens and the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. And then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place. And God made this space to separate the waters of the earth so that dry ground may appear. As soon as God created the world, the first thing he did was establish boundaries in order to protect it, in order to protect this place that he made for me and you to have life and live it to the full. He separated something from nothing. There was nothing except for God, and he separated something from nothing. And without it, we have no life. We have nothing. We were, there was nothing, and God, being awesome, is just like something. And you're just like, what? And there it was. If God hadn't separated day from night, there'd be no time. We were made to exist in time. If God hadn't separated the earth from the sky, there'd be no atmosphere. There'd be no oxygen. We can't live without oxygen. So separating that was good. It was for our good. He separated the earth from the sea because without land... We're like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. It just doesn't work out. Horrible movie. Don't ever watch it. All right. So boundaries, they're essential. And they exist for our good. And without boundaries, life is impossible. It's impossible. If I didn't have the boundary of my skin on my body, one, ew. But two, I couldn't be alive. You need skin. I need my skull to protect my little brain, right? Without it, without that boundary to separate I'm, in, I'm just like squishy-faced Justin, and anything could take me out. A hummingbird could just kill me, like that. So if God is a God of boundaries, and boundaries are good, and they're essential, and they're for life, and we were made to be like God who made boundaries, then we need healthy boundaries too. Every single one of you in this room needs some boundaries for your good in order to protect what you've been given. Life, eternal life, Forgiveness, gifts, all that you have that's good requires some protection. I think I used this illustration, but I'm using it again. If, what's your, who's got a favorite, like, awesome automobile? Favorite car, something expensive, something snazzy? Nobody? Really? What do you got? That was said the first... Okay, I don't know what a Bugatti is, but apparently they're awesome. But you don't leave a Bugatti that you've been given as a free gift in your driveway with the keys running and a sign that says, take me. No. You slap an alarm on that thing, you get a nice garage to park it in, you protect things of value. And you guys have valuable things. Your, your life is valuable. Your faith is valuable. Your giftings, your abilities, your talents are valuable. Are you protecting them? Because they need some protection. If you don't protect them, somebody could snatch them. I want to show you guys a quick, fun video. This is awesome. Appreciate it, please. Of... What happens to valuable things when we don't protect them? So I got this quick little clip we're going to play, 
And I want you to pay particular attention. Can you put it up and yet not push play just yet and lower the lights? Okay, so fish taco covered in onions. To me, gross, but somebody out there probably, Joe Lanzalotti loves this. So this is the thing of value. Watch what happens to this guy because he's not protecting it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love that. Do you want to see it one more time? Yeah, you do. Let's do it again. Look at that. <laughs> Yummy prized fish. Oh, he's like so ready and boom, it's gone. And slow motion. I love that. Fun story, I was in Galveston this summer with my wife and my father-in-law. Oh, by the way, my father-in-law is here today. So you can introduce yourself. I think he's grilling, not now. So we're in Galveston, we're by the pool at this beautiful hotel, and Brooke has got this delicious, perfect French fry going in, and that happened. The seagull just swoops down, takes the fry right out of her hand, slapped her in the face with its wing, and she's just like, ah! And she's got a thing with like germy stuff, so like not a good moment in time for Brooke. But still, I've seen that happen, and that happens with stuff way more valuable than pieces of fish or french fry. Good things. You, if you think about it, have had moments, have had things given to you that have just disappeared. Maybe privileges when you broke a rule, just gone. Uh, I had a friend in high school, she was given a brand new, just delicious red Corvette when she turned 16, brand new. I mean, just, it's a, it's a nice car. She had this really cool Corvette, all right, is that better? So she's given this Corvette, and she didn't know how to drive it, but it's this amazing car, and her first week at school, and it was the nicest car in the parking lot. I mean, you, the day she showed up, everybody's like, what? I mean, I got this Bronco 2 with the radiator hanging out, and she's just like, vroom. She gets there, she's leaving high school, and she's like, you know, a celebrity, she's waving, and she drives right underneath the back of a school bus. She got this, and I think it was like a $70,000 car. She drove it on her school bus. It was ruined, and her dad was like, I ain't getting you another one. She lost it because she didn't protect it. She didn't pay attention. She, she drove under a bus. She was fine. Sorry, Heather Pugh. All right, so boundaries are good, and we need to protect what we've been given. Um, question for you to be mulling over in your mind as we talked this morning is where do you need some protection? Where, where are you maybe getting hurt? that you could make some simple decisions and protect the good things in your life. So, some specific questions for you to mull over. Where in your life or what are you doing in an area of your life that's causing you some pain? Like something you're doing or not doing and you're, you're getting hurt because of it, right? Where is that happening in your relationship with God? Where is that happening with with your relationship with just yourself? Where is that happening with your relationship with others? Where in your life are you getting hurt or are you hurting others in your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with God? I'm gonna spell that out a little bit for us. There's so many examples that I could use here. So again, I just implore you guys, open your hearts, open your mind. What does God wanna to say to you about these three categories? So how do we hurt our relationship with God? You don't read your Bible. God's got stuff to say to you every day in this book. Every day I start by reading this book is a better day. 
I'm given wisdom, I'm given strength, I'm given encouragement. And if you are not opening this book, if you have not established a boundary, if you have not established a separate space where you can get alone with this book, you are hurting yourself. I, I say that with all confidence. You are missing out, you are hurting yourself for the lack of a boundary. Oh, I'll read it later. No, you won't, because I say that and I don't. I won't read it later because the voice is on or the football team is playing or what. You need to establish time and space and you need to be a little religious about protecting it so that you can do good by yourself. How else can we hurt our relationship with God? Well, are you praying? Are you asking for stuff? Um, I talked to a student just a few minutes ago, super stressed out. You don't have to be stressed. You need to obey the word. It says this, come and tell me everything you need. Tell me anything you need. And then thank me for how good I am. If you do those two simple things, pray, ask me for what, I, what you need, and then just say thanks. I will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Do anybody need peace like that? I need peace like that. The formula is simple. Ask him for what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Peace. You don't believe it? Try it. What are you stressed out about? Do that. Do it right now in your chair. But pay attention to me too. Is there a command or a word in the Bible that has really been convicting to you that you're just not obeying, I guarantee it's hurting you. 80% of the commands in this book are for your protection, to protect you. If you're not obeying these commands, you are hurting yourself. The other 20%, you're hurting other people. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that from you. He doesn't want that for you. He's your dad. He loves you. He wants you to be safe. Um, uh, uh, Just a couple seconds ago, who was it in the back? I don't know who it was. I am not judging you. It happens. I did it to somebody at a movie theater, but somebody walked through that door a few minutes ago, and the door, pop, hit Wyatt right in the face, and he's on the ground, and he's in the dark, and he freaked out. He's like, ah, I'm not happy, and I went out there, and I mean, I, I, it was an accident, so I'm not upset at all, but I'm just, as a dad, I'm just like, oh, buddy, are you, you know, I'm holding them tight. Are you okay? I want to keep you safe. I want to get you away from this door in this dark hallway. And I put him on the pool table, and I'm like, you're okay. And he's just like, Argh! he's just angry. He's hurt. And that's what happens to us when we make bad decisions. We get hurt, and we get grouchy. But God, your father, is all he wants to do is be like, come here, let me keep you safe. But our reaction is the same as Wyatt's. Get away from me. I am angry. I will eat your face. That's how we react. God just wants to love you and keep you safe. Let him. All right, so in those areas, reading the Bible, praying, obeying, an easy solution, you guys, set some boundaries. Find a, separate yourself so that you can have some time to pray and read and ask him for what you need. How do we hurt our relationship with ourselves? This all gets overlooked a lot, I think, in the Christian faith. Love God, love others. But you guys, we can't love God or love others if we don't love who God made us to be, if we don't receive God's love for us. God wants you to be confident in who he made you. So you need to do some things to love on yourself. Not spoil yourself, but appreciate and enjoy who you are. Is there something in your life that you do that just cause you to just experience like self-loathing? That cause you to feel guilty, ashamed, to hate yourself, to want to hurt yourself? I bet there is. Set a boundary. If there is an activity that you can't stop from doing, you need to be intentional about setting a boundary. A real simple example. 
that I, I think I probably overuse, but if you know you're going to look at garbage on the Internet in your room when you're alone, remove the Internet from your room. Put your phone right outside your door. Let that be a safe space. What other examples could be like that? Just set a boundary. I'm not going to do that here. If you are participating in some sort of behavior that you just always get in trouble for, and, and you miss out on privileges and opportunities and don't get to see your friends and don't get to do whatever, stop. Stop doing that. You're only hurting yourself. We need to take care of ourselves, protect ourselves, and just establishing some boundaries, making some pre-decisions. I'm not going to do that. And if you're not strong enough to, to, to uphold that, no problem. Ask for some accountability. Tell your small group. Ask for prayer. If you're feeling like I'm about to do this thing, reach out. Call somebody. Text somebody. Would you pray for me right now? It makes all the difference. How do we hurt ourselves in relationships with others? Or how do we hurt others in relationships? This is big. If you can't say no to a specific friend who every time you hang out with them, you use horrible language, or you gossip, or you pick on people with your words or your actions, you need a boundary. It doesn't mean that they're bad and you're good. It means that you're weak, you're not strong in your faith yet, and that's okay, but you need to set a boundary. When I first became a believer, the scariest thing for me was giving Jesus my all because I knew it was going to cost me just about every friend that I had. Does that make those friends bad? No. It was because I was too weak to be around them and not keep doing the garbage that I was doing. So I had to set a boundary. And for like a season, a long season, it's like, guys, I love you. Um, I, I want you in my life. But every time I'm with you, I drink. And I cannot stop. I've tried. And I can't live both lifestyles at the same time. I can't drink with you every, every night and love Jesus all day, every day. Because I'm pulled back and forth. And you know what happens sooner or later? You start to literally, in your soul, get torn apart. You can't do both. You weren't designed to do both. We're designed to be holy. We're designed to make a difference and bless people and be blessed. And you can't enjoy both. Because in one, one just hurts all day long every day. And the other one is just empowering all day long every day. Where in your life do you have some relationships that you need some boundaries? Set some boundaries. Separate yourself from toxic relationships. You may just have straight up a couple relationships you're like, this person is just bad for me. And it doesn't mean they're a bad person. But if, they're just, if you're just not strong enough, be strong enough to admit that. So how do we protect ourselves? There's some practical things that come out of what I was just talking about, but this is beautiful, what I'm about to read to you from Romans 13. Romans 13, 9 through 12, how do we protect ourselves? Well, the Bible says this, the commandments, like just broad, the, the commandments say, you must not cheat, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not envy. So hard in your face, like, don't do these things. Don't do this. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. You know, you can murder people like, with your thoughts. You can, you can murder them by thinking horrible things at them. So you're like, oh, murder. Oh, I don't mess. I don't, that's not a really a big deal for me. You ever thought something negative against somebody? You ever called somebody an idiot? You're like killing them. You're tearing them down with your words and your thoughts. So you, like me, you're probably guilty there. These commandments and others like them, they're summed up in one commandment that says this. Love 
your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments are summed up. Love God and love others. If you love people, you don't need to worry about the ramifications or repercussions of not having protection because you don't have anything to protect yourself from. If you're just constantly loving other people, nobody's looking to do you harm. Nobody's looking to make you feel bad. You don't have to worry about those midnight thoughts, laying in bed trying to go to sleep and just thinking horrible things about what you could have, should have said in an argument. Like you're free from those things because God is now protecting you. If you love others, it's like putting protection all over your life. Because love does no wrong to others. Therefore, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And listen to this. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. And I love this. Wake up. Our salvation is closer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation, the day that Jesus is going to come back and just hit like restart, eternity, heaven, revelation, judge, all that stuff is closer now than the day you were born, than the day you first believed. We are on a timeline. We are on a ticking clock. There's only so much time to learn what it is to live right, to ask for salvation. So, I love this imagery. So, because the day is almost here, remove your dark deeds, your bad behavior, like dirty clothes. I um, went out to the rail yard, the railway line, I don't even know, train, right? I went out to the rail line back in the back of the back of like Oak Ridge area, the old section, and they use railroad ties, and I like railroad ties. I use them around the yard and stuff. And they just throw the old ones to the side, and they lay there for years, like decades, and they get moss and funky stuff growing. And I like those things, and so I go and went a couple times the previous weekend, and I collect those things, and I bring them back to the house, and I'm going to make a garden. It's going to be great. Don't be jealous. So I did that three days in a row last weekend when I had some time off, which was glorious. And I got disgustingly dirty. I mean, I'm out there in the, the woods, thick, overgrown. Nobody's been there for years. Just garbage and snakes. And oh, it was so awesome. I was picking one of them up, and there was a hole in it where stuff had just collected over years. And daddy long legs spiders started coming out of it. And I saw it, so I kicked it, and I shook it. But I mean, you guys, I'm not over. Hundreds. So I'm picking this thing up, and I realize the hole is right here, and I'm pushing it, and it hits a branch, and it shakes it, and just spiders rain down on Justin. And I was just like, I don't like it, I don't like it. But I was disgusting. I was so dirty, and my clothes were so filthy that it's not like go wash those. It's like go burn those, right? Remove your bad behavior like dirty clothes. Like, just take it off. Separate yourself from the bad behavior that ultimately, you guys, is hurting you. And put on, replace it, replace it with the shining armor of right living. So what is the armor of right living? Well, it said it earlier. The shining armor that protects you. Armor protects. It is, it's in the definition of the word. Armor protects you from outside junk. Don't do anything that hurts other people. 
Nothing. Are you doing something that's hurting somebody? Your mom or your dad? A friend? Yourself? Stop it. Just stop. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt others. Love God, love yourself, and love others. That is the armor of right living. If you are loving God, if you are loving others, if you are loving yourself, you're safe. You're protected. It's that simple. It's that beautiful. You don't have to fortify yourself at home and never leave the house. Just love people. Separate yourself from bad behavior. I had a former student call me Monday night. And this guy was, I think he was my student seven years ago, only for like a semester. It was when I was in Tomball with Brooke at the theater, and he was like a, I don't know what he was, maybe he was a freshman. And we only ministered to him for a little while, but we stay in touch, you know, the beauty of social media. And I've kept up with him, and he's a, like, I think he's a Marine. If you're not, he's like a Ranger. But he's like a military dude, and the guy is like scary big. And he's all tatted up with scripture and like death before dishonor and stuff. He just looks super tough and cool. Don't get tattoos. Anyway, so he's just strong. He's swole. Like, I see this guy, and I'm like 20 years a senior, and I'm just like, don't hurt me, because he's just big. And this student of mine called me, and I haven't talked to him in about five years, and he called me. He is crying like a baby. He is weeping on the phone. I'm like, Michael, are you, are you okay? What's going on? Tell, tell me what's up. And he proceeds to tell me that for the past two years, and this dude knows Jesus, and he loves the Lord, and he reads his Bible, and he prays. But for the last two years, he's doing what I did early in my faith. He's living for God during the day, and he is living for himself at night. And the more he lives for himself, the more it starts to creep in on the daytime part of his life. And he is doing whatever he wants. He is partying whatever he wants. He is saying whatever he wants. He's just living for himself. And for two years, he's been living this way. And he calls me just weeping. And he's like, I've been making some bad decisions. And here's some of the things that he had to say to me. And I wrote him down. Justin, I want to stop bad my bad behavior, but I can't. You got anywhere in your life that you've been doing something so wrong for so long that you literally can't stop? I mean, you wake up in the morning, you're like, there's no way I'm doing that before I go to bed. Before you go to bed, you're doing it. And then afterward, you're like, God, I feel horrible. He is living that. And the more you act on that behavior, the more control it has over you, the more of a foothold you're giving to the enemy to come in and tempt you to do that stuff. Bad behavior is like just taking the armor of God and just throwing it on the ground and saying, I don't need you. Michael is living that. I can't stop. I can't stop my bad behavior, Justin. What else did he say? I have no control over my thoughts. You ever had that? You can't even stop the, the, the just litany of things you're thinking that are negative and depressing. I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. But I'll, when I mow the yard, which is like my therapy time, I will sometimes just start thinking just negative things about people. I'm just mowing the yard and I'm just like, man, Joe took my parking spot the other day. I need to talk. What's his problem taking my spot? It's my spot. Joe's a jerk. Joe should die. I could cut Joe up with this mower and no one would know. No. <laughs> but I will start thinking something that stupid. Joe took my spot. And I will find myself literally thinking something horrible. No control over your thoughts. And in those moments, I'm like, Jesus, like, what's happening to me? Ah, bad mower. Give me my thoughts back. And he does. Michael's in a place where he can't control his thoughts at all. He goes to bed at night, and he can't stop thinking. 
Horrible, negative things. Feeling ashamed. Attacking himself. I, I don't even deserve to be alive after what I did. And you guys, some of the stuff he told me about is bad stuff. Not just hurting him, but hurting other people. Justin, I feel like the devil is attacking me 24-7. Just 24-7, he's being assaulted by the enemy. You ever felt like that? You know what that's like? I do. It stinks. It is no bueno. Bilingual pastor. This is what he said that really struck me. I don't know who I am anymore. He's been living two separate lives. Not one, which is, okay, this is who I am. Two. And I don't know who I am anymore because it's like his soul is being torn in half. You know what that feels like? I know what that feels like. Have you ever felt like that? Just overwhelmed, attacked on every side, lost in sin, just lost in the results of bad decisions? Are you, are you there now? Michael was there when he called me the other night. If we aren't living right, we are vulnerable and we will get hurt. But God wants to protect you and he wants to set you free from that. And here's the beautiful thing. He makes it just stupid simple for us. I said, Michael, thank you for telling me all that. But I'm just a guy, like I'm just Justin. I can't help you. But you can say everything that you just said to me, to God, and it will be, and we'll be able to do something about this. So I said, just tell, just say what you said just now, but say it to God with me on the phone. Just turn what you said, your complaint, into a prayer. And he's like, all right. And he just starts praying. I don't know when the last time he talked to God was, but God, I've been doing this and this, and I did that, and I... I feel horrible, and I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I need help. Would you give me? I, I want to receive from you help, restoration, protection. And then he closes prayer. I do not want to live like this anymore. He confessed his sin to the Lord, and then he repented. You guys know what it means to repent? It means the back of the room is a bad behavior. It's all of the bad circumstances that happen when you sin and you're going in that direction and you know it's wrong and to repent means to, to do a 180. You turn around and you walk in the other direction. It's like this establishing a boundary that says, you know what, I'm not going to go that way anymore. What are you walking toward that you know is going to hurt you, that's not good for you? Understand what it is and just in Jesus' name, turn around and go the other way. Because if you're going towards evil and badness, what's up in the other direction? Good, hope, peace, forgiveness. So we did that. We prayed that. And I was like, we're done. You know, uh, have a nice night. I, my, my work here is done. And Brooke and I went back to watching our show. He texted me the next day. This is a man that's stronger than probably, he's stronger than anyone in this room. He's a soldier. And he called me weeping. And he confessed his sin, and he repented right there on the phone, and we hang up. And the next day, we're talking 12 hours, he sends me this text. Justin, I have been hurting so bad lately, and it all came to a head last night when he called me. I think I just needed to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And when I did, I hated what I saw. Thank you for praying with me. I already feel so much better. I already feel so much more confident today. I want to thank you for being there and thank you to you and Brooke for praying for me. And I'm promising you, 
I'm not going to make these mistakes again. Michael confessed, he repented, and he is already, in, I didn't ask him, establishing boundaries so that he wouldn't get back into the fix that he was in. He's back in a safe place. He's back in the love of Jesus. He's back in a place of protection. And Michael, even today, because I've been keeping up with him last week, he's stronger than he's been in a long time. I want to give you guys a visual of what that protection can look like in the spiritual realm, right? So you guys know we fashioned this Vineyard Initiative teaching series around superhero stuff. So we're going to watch about three minutes of Iron Man, the first one, the good one, the best one. If you disagree with me, you can go away, away. go away, away. So we're going to watch a couple minutes of Iron Man 1. Who is Iron Man? What's his alter ego? Anybody? Robert Downey Jr. I appreciate your answer. No, it's Tony Stark. Tony Stark is this rich, billionaire, genius guy who, at the beginning of the movie, runs a business. He's an arms dealer, right? He's a weapons manufacturer. And in the beginning of Iron Man 1, there's Iron Man, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., and he's in Humvee, and it comes under attack. And it comes under attack by things Tony himself had made. Think about that for a second comes under attack by something he had created. You ever been attacked by your bad decisions? Well, there it is. He's being attacked, and he receives a mortal wound. He is going to die unless he receives something. There's some sort of device doohickey that this dude made for him in his terrorist cave. But for me, for this message, he basically received a new heart to keep him alive. Better, stronger than his former heart. He had to receive a new heart, right? I got a free t-shirt. I want to look at it because I think it's one of my faves. It's a superhero shirt. It's funky. It's cool. It's got all the guys. There's Iron Man's face right there. So I got a free t-shirt. It's a medium. For anybody that can tell me, the first thing Tony Stark did for himself after receiving the new heart? He made a what? Well, no, that's true. But he's got this new heart. What did he do after he had the new heart? Not make a new one, but what did he do around that new heart? He built what? A suit of armor. Tony received a new heart, and the first thing he did was protect it. The first thing he did was protect his new heart. So we're going to watch a clip. And the first couple seconds is the, are the only couple seconds of dialogue in this clip. But I want you to try and listen to what he says. And then I want you to watch what he does. Because it's awesome. Thank you for saving me. Don't waste your life.
He did not die. Blasphemy. No, he survived, right? He wasn't very formidable. He just had some fire, but it didn't look like anybody got hurt until the explosion. But he's getting lit up with gunfire. He's in the fire. He's got explosions. He's tossed slash flew. But he survived all of it, survived that fall because he had good armor. He had good protection. And all of those things that you just saw him undergo, the fire, the bullets, the fall, the explosion, in the spiritual realm, that stuff is, is, is any day away from any of us. Just The enemy says he's got schemes, plans against your life. And at any time, he might just light you up. And if you don't have good protection, you guys, you could get hurt bad. But if you've got good protection, if you're loving the Lord, if you're spending time with him, if you're not doing anything to hurt other people, but just loving them, it says it's like a shining armor put around you, and you need it. And you can help yourself practically establish it by setting some boundaries in your life. So we're going to wrap up. And I'm going to invite the band to come up here to prepare to close us. But I want to ask you guys a couple questions as they do. First, aside from the awesome explosion, my favorite part of that clip, it's, it's muted, it's muffled, but the guy that made the heart, the initial thing that saved Tony, was the guy that laid there dying, right? But he said, Tony said to him, thank you for saving my life, which is the only appropriate response to Jesus, the fact that he saved every single one of you. If you've ever put your faith in God, if you've ever said, Jesus, I, I need a Savior. I can't get out of this mess. Even if the mess is of your own making, Jesus, help me. He will help you. He will save you. He'll do it today. He'll do it now. And the only appropriate response is to say, thank you for saving my life. But what the Creator said to him after was so telling. He said, don't waste it. Don't waste what I've given you. And there are some of you guys in this room who have got ridiculous giftings, ridiculous faith, but you are not being wise in separating yourself from stuff that is leading you into trouble and sin and pain. Let's establish some boundaries. Let's pray about how we can protect ourselves right now. Let's do some business with the Lord. I'm going to lead you guys in a couple questions. In an attitude of prayer, I want you guys to bow your heads and just be willing to hear from God. I, I believe on your behalf so I'll share my faith with you that he's going to speak to every single person in this room that wants to hear. So here's the first question between you and the Lord. Lord, where do I need protection in my life? Maybe he's saying a word to you. Maybe he's showing you somebody's face or a situation or a circumstance. Whatever it is, just pray about it. What does this mean? How can I protect myself in this? All right, there's three questions in one. Lord, where am I failing to love you or myself or others? Just invite him to speak to you. How does he want to connect with you? How does he want you to see yourself that's contrary to the way you've been thinking about yourself? What does he want to say to you about any relationships you have in your life that might not be good for you?
maintaining that attitude of prayer, I wanna, I wanna show you guys a picture. I want you to look up here for a second and look at this image of this warrior standing on this tower of rock and there's just this chaos at their feet. There's this soldiers in battle and craziness happening, but there's this warrior standing up there, armor, shield, sword in hand, looking confident, looking strong, looking secure. That is you. That is how God made you. That is how he wants you to see yourself and feel about yourself. And all it requires is you separating yourself from the bad decisions, the bad environment that you might be allowing in your life. What kind of boundaries do you need today to get up there and feel the way God wants you to feel? I want you guys to just look at that. I want to pray one of my favorite passages, Romans 8, over us as we prepare our hearts to respond. Because of Christ's love for us, we are more than conquerors. We're not conquerors. We're more than conquerors. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. You guys, not even the powers of hell can separate you from God's love for you. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand how much you love us I pray that you would speak to us on how we're supposed to respond to today's message and how to protect this invaluable gift of freedom, salvation, gifts that you not only have given, but continue to give. We want to do some business with you here today. So lead us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Woodside Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedgestudents.